You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Flair Lonsdale, and if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Today I get the pleasure of introducing to you Dawn Bates. Dawn is a best-selling author, she's a keynote speaker and she's a coach and she's really cool because she loves inspiring people to live their best life which as you guys know I'm absolutely all about and she comes from a place where she really wants to inspire people so that they can really just get out there and be inspired themselves. Today we talk all things marriage, family, entrepreneurship, friendship and sailing around the world too. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and you can see exactly how Dawn has taken her life in full stride. Dawn, I'm so excited to have you with us today. I'm so excited to hear your story and so that you get to share it with our listeners, learn about you and everything you've been through because your story is pretty inspiring and everything you're doing now is super cool. So I can't wait for our listeners to hear about it and hear from you. So first off, I'd love to like, I'd love to know, would you want to share your story with us? Uh, well, first off, I'd just love to say thank you for um, inviting me uh, onto your show so I can connect with yourself and your listeners. Um, it's always great to, to share the magic of uh, what we're all up to. Absolutely. Um, and um, I have loads of stories, Fleur. <laughs> you're one <laughs> I don't know it's completely up to you whatever story you feel like sharing right now the most fun one <laughs> they're all fun what are you on about like, if, it's not, if it's not fun it's not worth doing honestly like Agreed. you know this is the thing about being human isn't it we, we get to create uh, our life in such a magical way in such a way that we but I guess the thing for me, the biggest journey that I've got at the moment, the biggest story that's happening in my life is uh, in five days' time, I sail across the Atlantic to Chile, Tenerife, and the Canary Islands. I guess that's uh, the biggest story for me at the moment. That's pretty cool. So, well, as my mother would say, with blood, sweat, and tears, and a bit of elbow grease. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I grew up in farmer country um, and uh, back home in, uh, well, I say Norfolk, my dad would tell me not. Um, so, the Cambridgeshire region, Norfolk region of the Fen. Um, so, I'd be a carrot cruncher. And, and I used to talk like this all the time. Um, but then I realised that you're going to have to get ahead in life. Because unfortunately, you know, for some like back in my day you know at the start of my journey some 20 odd years ago I um regional accents were not really deemed appropriate in the corporate world if you had a regional accent you were already on the back footing um really and uh, yeah massively massively Interesting. yeah you would be you could be the best person in that room and but if you had the carrot crunching accent like this then you, you ought to really start thinking because that ain't going to get you anywhere. Um, and 
and wow. but then I started to move around. I started, uh, and then I went raving, and you know, had met lots of people from all over the UK. Um, and, and I realised that my accent started to neutralise. Then I went to live Oxford, and that, that was that. That was that putting plum in my mouth, and I'd grown up around apple orchards and plum orchards all my life, but never had such a plum. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, I've always had, I've always. I've always been a local girl with a global mindset. It doesn't matter where I am. I always like to go local. I'm not a tourist. I hate the I hate the concept of being a tourist. If you're going to be somewhere, integrate into the local area. Um, that doesn't mean take on all the you know the drama of a neighbourhood like oh my man they fell out lot. What I'm talking about is you know eat the foods. You know go to the local places. Um, especially when we're traveling and, and so I, I kind of because I did that my accent really kind of neutralized and my business started taking off because I always knew I'd have a business by the age of 21 I set up my first business I'd already been running other people's businesses by then um, wow, I, I mean I started running a 70 been the, the manager of a 75 seat bistro at uh, the age of 16 and by the age of 18 I was running a 200 bedroom um, hotel down on the east coast on the south coast of Eastbourne. Um, so I've always been a high achiever, I've always wanted, like yeah, throw a challenge to me, come on, game on. <laughs> game on is like my kind of thing, I'm beginning to realize, you know, yeah. let's, do, let's just go do it, let's just go have a mad one. And then I married an Arab and, you know, had all of uh, the, the social stereotypes and the racism thrown at me and, you know, and all of the, oh, can't be friends with you, you're married to an Arab. I went through all that and went through all the Islamophobia and all the 9-11-7-7 bombing fiasco. And even though we had nothing to do with it, we weren't even aware of it to begin with. Um, we were just so focused on our vision, but because he was an Arab and I was married to him, that brought a whole load of stuff. And so we were like, yeah, okay, people fell away. And this is the thing, once you go through your life, people do tend to fall away. And then we just carried on running our businesses and going out raving and then having children and still running the businesses and moved to eat, and then I got divorced after 18 years. I was like, right. That dream I had of being an eight-year-old little girl sitting on that beach looking out at the ocean. I'm going to go live out at the sea now. I'm going to make that dream come true. And here I am. That is the short version. <laughs> good, good short version. I like it. Um, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So I'm, I, I'm interested. Like, I didn't realise that there would be such a such racism against... Well, not just against someone that's that married in Islam, but in in the UK, I thought we were a little bit better than that. <laughs> I mean, how did you deal with that? You just do. Uh, when you're getting spat on in the street and you're having stones thrown at your house, um, and um, you're having people not want to do business with you. I mean, I lost some massive contracts. I even had the tea superintendent of the local police force asked me when, um, why I'd allowed myself to be brainwashed. The Brits, in a lot of ways, are incredible people, but there is a very, very, what I call a passive-aggressive uh, element to not just their 
politics and their race, but their, their attitudes. There's a lot of tolerating and not a lot of accepting. And the more I travel around the world, the the more I understand. Um, yeah, it's the. Uh, and I think the thing is, I'm from. I mean, I'm from a very different generation, and what I was going through back then, you know, things are changing. And what I'm loving as I'm watching from afar, I'm loving watching the younger generation. I the twenty somethings because you are young to me. <laughs> I'm old now, apparently, according to my 12 and 13. My mum is nearly 13 and my almost 17. They're like, you're old mum. <laughs> but I'm loving watching the fact that um, like people in that, the younger generation are rising up and saying, no, this is not acceptable. And I think that's the thing because we're going back 20 years now. Yeah. You know, when I went to school, there was only one black girl in my whole school. Yeah. And I was friends with her, you know, and that was like, oh my God, what's she like? I'm like, go talk to her, you'll find out. You know, that it was that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing we lived with. And I think, you know, some of these bigger political events were, uh, they, were, they, were they were needed. And I know that sounds very, you know, that will probably shock some people, but they were needed because they changed the game. They changed the discourse, they changed the conversation. And we live in such a multicultural world and that Britain is becoming such a multicultural society. Yeah. And you've got... I remember at my 21st, 25th birthday party, there was a couple of friends that arrived. Um, well, it was more than that, but there was a particular couple. <laughs> um, and he took me aside. He goes, um, can I have a word with you? The mayor, I don't know what I was going to He goes, I just want you to just take a moment to actually look at your friends. I was like, because like, look at all these people that are here for you and here to celebrate you. And I was like, okay. Just look at like, what am I looking at? What am I looking for? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, to guess you know. Like, Chris Tarrant's going to come out in a minute with a million dollars or whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, I was like, I, was, I just had no idea where he was going. Yeah. And he says, Em and I are the only couple in this room where both partners are white and English. Everybody else is in a couple where they're from different ethnicities, different countries, different cultures, and look at how everybody is getting on. You did that. You brought us all together. This evening has been one of the best, incredible evenings I've ever had in my life. I have learned so much. I have laughed so much. And I stood there and I was like, what are you on about? Because to me... It was normal, Yeah. It was normal, but for him, it so wasn't. And I think that's how, you know, when people like ourselves, when we don't see that, I mean, I held my ex-husband's hand once, and I'm like, gosh, you're so brown. He goes, Dawn, I'm an Arab. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I might be highly intelligent, but I do have my moments. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's quite funny that's quite funny um so that's I mean that's a that's a, a challenge in itself I think it's funny because I don't I wouldn't immediately think that would be a challenge you know I would just think oh well you know you just chose someone that's from a, a, a different background and I think it's funny when people do that I just chose him well yeah no exactly but you know other <laughs> 
for me, I, I guess my partner's from New Zealand and people are like, whoa, you live so far away from the UK where all your family and friends are. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I fell in love with someone who I fell in love with and I couldn't really plan that. It just happened like it was just a thing. <laughs> and now I, I deal with it, but I don't see it as a challenge, but other people see, you know, living that far away from somewhere as, as such a, a big deal. And I'm, I'm just like, it's just a mindset shift. You've just got to, you know, change the way that you see Absolutely. things. Mm. But are we that far away from each other, though? Yeah. I mean, you're in Bali, I'm in Tenerife, and here we are having a, an amazing connection. Yeah. We're probably having a better connection on this call, providing tech still works, um, <laughs> if we're going to look at it that way, than maybe, you know, two friends that live next door to each other, that, you know, they're friends, but they hardly ever see each other. Yeah, it's you so know? And this is the thing, it's like, with me being away from my children, doing this global book tour, circumnavigating the world... My two, I mean, I've, I've received quite a few people saying, oh, you know, you're an irresponsible mother, you know, you've left your children. I, I know, leaving my outside weight rose was such a bad idea. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's about their comfort zones and, you know, where they're living because the, the time where mothers are in the house being a slave to their children... They're, those days are over. We've got to stop martyring ourselves. We have got to stop um, dishonouring ourselves as women and say, you know what, I, I matter. I am not going to be your, your maid or your servant. I am your mother. I am here to guide you. I am here to lead you. I am here to teach you everything I know and then it's up to you, you to choose who you want to be. I'm not in control of my children. I, I have a better connection with my children now than most parents and most mothers that are completely exhausted from wiping up after them and doing everything for them uh, and running them here, there and everywhere and living in the same house as them. Even my ex-husband, I mean, we get on really well. I mean, he said to me, he goes, our family is stronger since you left. And I was like, thanks for that. <laughs> 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 and he was like, I have given him the opportunity as a man, as a father, to father his own children in the way that he wants to. And we, as women, we forget about that. We choose, except most of us, choose the man that we want to have to. And we choose them for a reason. The man children marry them. Or we second guess them all the time. Or we castrate them or emasculate them for the more politically correct term. You know, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop dishonouring ourselves and the person we choose to parent with and allow them to parent. My boys, I mean, I'm scared to go back to the UK. Not that I ever intended, to be honest. Um, but... If I ever thought about flying home just to see my boys, they'd put me on the first flight back now. They're like, you're not coming back until you finish this. And they're setting the next country by sail to, and I'm like, that, can't, that doesn't work, actually, because I've got to go to this country first to get to that country. So you've got to choose another country between here and there. So, yeah. it's um, And it's not easy. It's not easy being away from them. But I connect with them every single day. Yeah. Thank God for WhatsApp and Wi-Fi and Skype and Tintweb. 
<laughs> yeah, the Tinterweb. Um, we're pretty lucky. I don't, knowing that we've got the internet is it makes things so much easier. Like it, it just does. And I mean, I'm not the best at keeping in touch with people by any means, but it's it's such an easy thing for us to have now that we almost take it for granted. And I um I think it's really special. Like living in New Zealand isn't really any different from me living in France, which is where I was previously. So being from England to France, yeah, the, the flight's a bit shorter, but that's it, right? That's the only difference that there is. Um, which is yeah. which is cool. Um, and you make the effort. And the thing is, the people you don't make the effort for, there's, there's a reason for that. Uh, whether it's a conscious or a subconscious reason, there's a reason you don't make the effort for certain people. It's called evolution. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that, though, because when I get home, even if there's someone who I may have not spoken to for a year or something, I'll go back and see them, and it's like nothing's happened. Like, you know, uh-huh. it's just like we saw each other yesterday, and I love that. I love knowing uh-huh. that we don't need to speak every week or every day to stay in contact, that actually we've built such a connection from so many years that we have a strong friendship and that we know that, you know, if something happened that I would be there for them and, and vice versa. And I think that's almost more important. It's the, it's the knowing rather than the showing kind of thing. Absolutely. And that's the thing, those kind of friendships, yeah, like, uh, my friend Jamie, I've known her since I was 11. She came to stay with me for three days. And I was sad when she left. Mostly when people come and stay with me, I'm like, you they're not gone yet. Not because I don't want to see them. It's just because I love my own company and I've got work to do. I've got <laughs> adventures to have. Yeah. And I can enjoy their company. And I, as a traveller, um, not traveller as in the... The traveler, traveler, as we kind of know, not that kind of traveler. <laughs> um, I, as somebody who travels around the world, um, you you get to see certain elements. And I, I saw a quote the other the other week. I just wrote my last blog on it. When you travel, you get to see a wide selection. You get characteristics, you get to see meet different intellects, you get to meet different values um, and so you have a wider pool of people to choose from and provided you're smart and you are honouring yourself in each and every moment, you get to choose from more and you begin to realise that there are certain people in your friends with that were actually sabotaging you or they weren't actually, they were just, they were just someone you hung out with they weren't really friends. And this has been really quite indicative for me over the last uh, couple of years because the more, um, the more public my life becomes, the more people know about me. As one person said, the more famous you become, the one else become not famous. Um, and the, the more people get to know about me and the work that I do in this world and the books that I've written and the, the clients that I have and the more successes I have, like the cover, the, being on the cover of certain magazines, you know, being on some of the world's most popular podcasts, you know, no, not a lot of people from my past celebrate that. 
because it triggers them. A lot of them like it because you're you kept yourself small. But when you play a bigger game, those people will fall away. Some of them will do it from jealousy. Some of them will do it from intimidation. And it's knowing which ones they are and still honouring the ones that might feel a little bit intimidating and say, look, I'm still the same person. I'm just more me. Yeah. Now I'm more me and I'm more confident to be me. I still find it really interesting that that, that happens, that the friends will fall away, whether it's intimidation, whether... I mean, I don't even know what it is, but that friends will just sort of stop talking to you because you've made a decision to do something that either makes you happy, that, you know, whatever business that you're in, it's really interesting the way that 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 happens sometimes, and I hear about it a lot. And it just, yeah, I I can't quite get my head around why people would would do that. But, hey, each to their own, and you're probably better without them, right? It's like a snake. Oh, absolutely. It's like a snake. You shed your skin. You don't, you've let go of things that no longer serve you. Yeah. Whether that's because they no longer serve your pity parties or your drama, whether that's because they no longer serve your growth, whether that's because they no longer, uh, you just don't vibe on the same level. I don't, I don't hang out with anybody I used to go out raving with. And the work that I do with my clients is very powerful work. And I've even had hate mail from some of the people in my clients' lives because they haven't liked the growth and the acceleration and the happiness my clients have had because it's rattled their cage, to use an English phrase. It's something that has made them realize how much of a smaller game they're playing because my clients have triggered them because they've moved to a different country because they've set up business. And this is why, I mean, there was one recently where it's like, oh, we've been there for blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you ever considered the reason why they weren't happy? Because of the environment that they were in? Have you ever considered the reason why these people were wanting to make a change and get out of it is because of the environment they were in and the people that were in that space? That's why they've chosen to leave. That's why they've chosen to go and see something bigger because they see something bigger. They are much bigger. And it's not about running away, it's about evolving, it's about expanding, it's about becoming, like I said, more of who you are and going, you know what, there's a big white world out there, there's so much to enjoy, there's so much to be, there's so much to do and have, and I'm not going to settle. I mean, I go back home to the village where I grew up in, and I'm like, people are there doing the same things the same people having the same conversation. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, I'm there for like, I mean, the energy shift as well. I I feel the energy shift when I'm about 20 miles away. I can see my parents' house. That's how, that's how flat it is where, where I grew up. I'm like, okay, mum, I can see the house, put the kettle on. I get home in this perfectly, perfect temperature, cup of tea, something. <laughs> Um, but it's the mental energy like you were saying it's a mindset it's an energetic it's a vibration yeah. when I'm out in the fields it's beautiful Yeah. but when I'm around the people it's like oh. so on that I'm really interested because I, I find it I find it fascinating that people get triggered by 
other people, whether it's their success, whether it's their failure, whether it's something that they're just doing on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis. How do you coach people when it comes to them knowing that they get triggered by things? And how do you find is the best way to get over that, essentially, or to, to push through it? Do you know, that always gets me. We've turned another century 19 years ago. 
so true. Oh. It's a bit scary. But do you know what I mean? And yeah. And so you've got that kind of ego where how dare you think you're as good as we are because they've come from the aristocracy, from, you know, high society. But then you've got people that, you know, have grown up with nothing and have been told, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, or as my youngest says, money is trees, because money is energy. Um, and he's only 12. Love that boy. <laughs> That's so um, Well, he's told me, mummy, a million is not enough. A million is not enough to put in this world. And I'm like, why is that then? He goes, well, think about it. He goes, by the time I get to your age, and I really want to, like, land in one at that point. He goes, by the time I get to your age, a three-bedroom home in a decent area is going to cost me well over half a million. It's already costing, you know, over a quarter of a million. He goes, and then, you know, if I want to have the finer things in life, he goes, I'm going to have to be, he goes, I'm going to have to be receiving over a million a year just to keep me in a lifestyle that I want. <laughs> I'm like, check you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's got a point. And he, right, yeah, he's got a point. Yeah. You know, the cost of living is going up and it's, you know, your cars, your life insurance, if you want to take life insurance, you know. You might you put your kids in private school. You might think, you know what, I'm done with the education system. Me homeschooling my boys, me moving my family to Egypt, treated so many people. Me taking my kids to work, you know, into my own office, my own business triggered people. Me saying to people I did business with, if you want to have a meeting with me at that point, then we're going to be in the park. So at that point, I'm walking my dog. So we can either have a meeting while I'm walking my dog or we don't get a meeting on that day. And you know what? That triggers some people. But the meetings I've had walking my dog or pushing my kids on the swings when they were younger have been some of the best meetings because I know that the people who are prepared to step out of the suit and tie, put on their walking boots and have a meeting and walk and create while we're walking out in the fresh air instead of being sat in a meeting room or in a hotel room or, you know, the boring old stuckness of doing business. I don't even know if stuckness is a word. But again, it's the old mentality. To do business, you have to be in a suit and tie. To do business, you have to be stuck in the same city or you have to be, you know, travelling up and down the motorway, exhausting yourself and trying to cram so much into your day and... That's an old way. That's like, you know, the 60s. That's like, that's men. That's from the 1950s. You know, we don't have to be in that way anymore. Me being a mother who's location-free, that's a 1940s and 1950s model of being a mother. Yeah. We're in 2020 nearly. Yep. That makes that 70-year-old model that loads of women are still living their life by. Yep. <laughs> I'm on your wavelength, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, just let's, let's leave our kids outside wake trace and see what happens to them, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so one question I'd love to ask is obviously we all fail at something at life in general. Like there's, we're always faced with challenges and there's so many things that we get put through that we think is sort of the be-all and end-all of life. And I'd love to know what's something that you've failed at, um, whether it's business, 
whether it's something else um, that you sort of got up and kept going and, and what made you do that? I found that I find this question an interesting one to be honest with you, because from the moment we're born, we're failing. Yeah. Um, when we try and sit up for the first time, we don't make it the first time. Nope. We have to keep practicing that. The first time we get up to walk, we fall over. And how many times do we do that? Yeah. And, and I think it's that resilience. Like when you embrace your inner child and when you own him or her and you have joy in each moment, failing takes on a whole new meaning because it's just, a, oh, yeah, it's just another go. It's just another chance to have another go. Come on. Um, and we fail every, I mean yesterday I failed cooking rice I mean I'm, <laughs> I trained as a chef I burnt it because I got so caught up in my work but did I fail? no I don't see my, my view of failure has changed so much I never I, I don't nothing really phases me anymore I don't really get bothered by it it's like, oh okay well I did that wrong or oh I burnt the rice you know or bugger I dropped my laptop you know um, I hope it works <laughs> to put in my clothes I mean how many times do you think I've done a load of washing you know I put the wrong I put something in with my whites and it just happened to turn it all blue you know that's a failure I hate but, when that happens So let's change failure then. Let's say challenge. What's something that you've... There's been a massive challenge for you 
um, in life or in business that you've managed to come out of the other side and see that challenge as an opportunity to, to change or to grow um, and how you've dealt with it? Um, the challenge to be all of me without apologising or without worrying about what other people think of me is an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the biggest challenge I have each and every time is my boys being away from them because it, it is attached to the choosing me each and every single time because I could, I get to a country and I could very easily fly back to be with them and give up on this. Every time I have a difficult day or every time I have an emotional day or every time I'm you know, I've gone through a coaching session and my coach has brought stuff up for me. And I'm like, okay, I just want to go home and have a hug. I just want to be with my boys and my dogs. That's a challenge to choose me and to choose to be strong in that moment and to say, well, actually, if I go back, not only have I given up on my dream and given up on who I am, I've, in some ways, I've not let my boys down, so I've never let my boys down. They've already told me that, that that's just never going to happen. Is it really mine? No, okay. <laughs> but Cute. The challenge to oh, seriously, I was asked once at uh, an author talk after some after this guy read uh, my first two books. And he said, "Is there anything you're not afraid of? Because for you to write these books, you have no fear." Um, because I challenge the government and I challenge mindsets and I challenge the way in which people live their life. I, I, I'm an anarchist in writing, apparently. I quite like that. Um, <laughs> and um, people are afraid for me when they read my books um, because of the things I say. And um, I'm one of those people that says what other people are wanting to say but too afraid to say. Yeah. And so choosing to be that person, not choosing to be that person to ruffle feathers, but choosing to be me because why should I allow anybody else to tell me what to do with my life, regardless of whether they're a stranger in the street or whether they're a judge in a courtroom or a politician in a, in a House of Parliament? Who are they to legislate my life and tell me how to live my life? I never signed a contract when I was born to say I would live by the rules. Smart people do not follow stupid rules. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the laws which govern us are old, archaic and stupid. They do not belong in this time. So for me to choose myself and to choose my modality and mindset of living, it is a challenge in today's world. Because people are afraid of what's going to happen if they don't follow the rules. Yeah. And I make, I make my own rules. So that, when you live that way, receiving some emails or receiving some comments, showing up as yourself is probably the, the biggest challenge anybody can have. So knowing that, I mean, I know a lot of people struggle with judgment, you know, 
being scared of what other people are going to think of them. I mean, judging themselves as well, really. Um, how do uh-huh. you, how do you, how do you come through that? How do you remember that you are doing the thing that makes you happy, that makes you inspire other people? Because if you weren't there, then you wouldn't be paving the way for anyone else, right? So how do you keep uh-huh. track of that and, and remind yourself that people are always going to judge you and it just doesn't matter what they think as long as you are happy and knowing that you're heading in the right direction? I don't pay attention to anybody else. Okay. And uh, what other people... I mean, it's an old cliche. What other people think of you is none of your business, you know. We've all heard it before. Yeah. I have always said, don't let squat of living your head rent free. Say I've that. always said that. Say that again, I didn't hear. Don't let... Don't let squatters live in your head rent-free. Oh, nice. Well, that's a goodie. I haven't heard that one before. Have you not? Oh, well, there's a Dawny B moment for you. There you go. Um, <laughs> but just don't... Choose yourself, you know? And, in, I mean, I, I've got so good at it that I, I don't... I don't even think about what other people are doing not even and like the people that used to inspire me I'm like why am I looking outside of myself for inspiration what inspires me what makes me happy and it's not about being selfish it's about being selfless because when you become selfless and you choose yourself and you choose to do what makes you happy regardless of whether it makes your parents happy or your church or your mosque or society, like, just, I, I don't get it anymore. And it's, you know, I'm 41. If I could say to my, I mean, people always say to me, oh, what's the one advice you'd give to your eight-year-old girl or, you know, or your, your younger self? And it would just be, just do you. Just choose yourself. Yeah. Ignore everybody else and their advice and just follow your own, like, seek advice, you know, have mentors and have coaches, you know, and learn, constantly learn, but don't, but just choose the bits that really resonate with you. Yeah. I love the, um, what we always say is if you're going to listen to advice or take advice from people, then take it from the people who are living the life that you want to live and not the other ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's, <laughs> it's so important and it resonates so much how we listen and take advice from people who are doing things that we don't want to do or are stuck in a job that they don't enjoy or are living, you know, their family life and they don't even want to be in the place that they're at, yet we still listen to what they're saying. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why not find your idol and listen to them and see how they've got to where they've got, where they are now and, and do that instead? Become your own idol. Yeah, well, and that too. And it's, it's so funny because yeah. that's one of the questions Absolutely. that... I love to know, like, what, what's one of the best pieces of advice for listeners. So choose yourself is a goodie. I like it. And I think it, it resonates a lot with 
a lot of people and I think so many of us are living blind to where we actually want to be and what we actually want to be doing and we tend to start living someone else's life because that's what society and the world has told us that we should do rather than what we actually really want to be doing which might be living in Bali <laughs> oh yeah we're sailing around the world on boats absolutely yeah 100% I mean I, I, I live days away I mean being on land it's like oh my god <laughs> like put me back out on the ocean I mean, days away from land, when when you're about to sail into port and you're a couple of days away from land, you smell humans. Wow. Really? Because I have yeah. never noticed that. Maybe I've spent yeah. too, there's been too many humans on the yachts that I've been on, but... <laughs> yeah, when you've been out at sea for weeks. So are you sailing around on your own? Pardon? Are you sailing around on your own? No, um, not at the moment. I pick my yacht up when I get to Mexico. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've been on boats, uh, I mean, like where there's been maybe two people, three people. Yeah. This trip that I'm doing, um, I'm on board, I'm doing some, uh, I'm, I'm shadowing the captain uh, because of the leadership element of the next series of books that I'm writing. Um, I'm looking at leadership at sea and um, I'm training to get my captain seat so I've got to do my meteorology and the next level of my celestial navigation. Oh, um, yeah, good times. And marine ecology. Mm. So this is a bigger <laughs> ship, um, but I, I love tall ships. There's just something about them. Um, but when you've been out on the ocean and... When I say you smell humans, I mean, obviously, when you're around people, you smell them, and some of them, I really think that deodorant should be banned, especially on board a boat. Um, sorry, I don't like being gassed because you decided to put loads of toxins in your body and poison us all. Um, but um, when, you're, when you've had nothing but salt sea air for weeks, and then you you can smell the consumption, and not obviously the consumption from you know last century, um, but the the consumerism. You can smell like when I sailed into Mackay after having sailed from New Zealand to Vanuatu, then over to Australia. We were three or four days away from land, and we could smell the processed food. We could smell the fuel. We could smell um, you could like the smells were horrendous, yeah. and I remember returning um, to the UK, and I felt physically sick with the smells that um, I experienced. Physically sick. I wanted. I, I couldn't go near public toilets. I couldn't like. I, I really that the smell of the amount of fast food and processed food. I felt, honestly, I really did feel physically sick. I, I just had to. I was like, okay, I need to go back to the ocean. I, I need a field or I need some woodlands. I can't be around, or I hate cities. I can't be around cities. I don't do cities. They, they, they're just too much. The smells and the energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so have you, been, have you been sailing since a young age? 
No, no, no. I started sailing. Um, I've always been an ocean lover. I've always been known as a mermaid or a dolphin, but the dolphin's guide to leadership didn't really sound that great. The mermaid's guide <laughs> is a series of books that I'm writing at the moment. Yeah. Um, and when I was eight years old, I said to my mum, we were sat on the beach uh, really late at night, and um, we, um, I said to my mum, I'm going to go and live out there. Now, I can't walk on water yet. <laughs> I also, <clears throat> so I need a boat. When I got divorced from my ex-husband five years ago, he was never going to live at sea. He was never, that was never going to be a thing. It was something that I sacrificed to be in that marriage. Um, but the moment we got divorced, it was like, right, it's getting one. I'm going out there now. That's it. Get in my boat, and I'm going to go and live out at sea. So I learned to sail about two and a half years ago. Nice. And, and now, I mean, one of the theories that I'm hoping to disprove, which isn't being disproved, is that sailing is a white man, not white rich man's game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I'm, I'm yet to disprove that theory, um, even though it, it has an elitism to it. You can pick up a boat for 20 grand, um, but you're always banging out another thousand, which is what you know boat stands for. Um, and it's the acronym, isn't it? Bang out another thousand. Um, but I, I, li- I like proper sailing. I don't, if it hasn't got a sail on it, it's not sailing. Oh, good. I don't like catamarans. Oh, that's still got like a sail on it. It's. <laughs> It has, but I'm a monohull girl. I like I like the movement. I like the boat yoga and the boat pilates constantly. <laughs> you need to go on a smaller catamaran where it, it goes. <laughs> not not none of the. Know what size catamaran I've been on? Well, because small ones definitely don't stay flat. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, even like your Fusion 40s, you know, one of the smallest ones out there, you know, they, you, you go to, when you've been so used to monoholes and you go to correct yourself and the, the boat corrects it for you, you're like, what? And that throws you more off balance than if you're on a monohull. But again, it's just my preference. I prefer to, I mean, yes, they're more luxurious. Yes, they're, you know, a lot of older people are now going for the catamaran lifestyle. Yes, a lot of the younger ones that want the prestige or the luxury lifestyle, they'll probably go for a catamaran. Because monohull sailing is a different kind of sailing. When you're heeled over on an 11 to 5, you know, you are just like, yeah. So you're kind of standing up, looking at the water, you know, and you're strapped in and that for me is an adrenaline rush I love it put me on a race boat and like let's beast it through that water on an 11.5 heel and yeah I'm I'm good to go I love the you know I love hauling in the sails all these motorized winches yeah they're all right and the autopilots yeah it's always good to have George on board that's what I call the autopilot (laughs) George But I'm a monocle girl. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, you've had some pretty good times on catamarans, but we used to race in the Maxi World Cups, and 
Did you? I used to, yeah, just love. I used to just love getting splashed with water. Like I don't even need to do yeah. that much, but just put me on the side, put me on the <laughs> rail, and I'll get wet. <laughs> and then when the kite needs to come down, I will pull it down with all the force and might that I have. <laughs> and then fall and down the stairs. I remember when we, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we were about to leave. Um, where were we? In Opora. Um, we had just done. We just put on. Um, made sure that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. Um, you know the um, when you've got the runners on the mast. Uh, we just oiled all of those and made sure that they were all good. And I was like, right, okay, ready to haul the mainsail. Um, and um, I was like, right, you ready then? And he was like, yeah. Well, I'm like, I've been doing some battle rope training exercises. I'm like ready, upper body strength is ready to go. <laughs> nice. And I've sweated this mainsail up in one go, right? And <laughs> Pete's gone, oh, <laughs> And I've nearly gone overboard, and it, it reminded me of like, you know, when you go to get the kettle and you think it's full and it's empty, and you lift it up and it kind of goes over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. So you're a sailor girl, Miss Fleur. Oh, I, I sail. I've done my fair bit of sailing. Yeah, I used to be a dinghy instructor and then I essentially just went and worked on the super yachts and got involved with the with the with the Maxi World Cups as our owner had a race yacht. So um, we did that, which was real fun. And yeah, my dad's a big sailor. So I had the, the pleasure of going sailing with my dad um, when I was a bit younger. And we, yeah, I love sailing. I'm the same. I love being on the ocean. It's, it's funny when you get landlocked for a bit. I very much need to be either in the mountains or by the ocean. I'm very much one or the other. Um, I'm not a city girl either, um, but I, yeah, I totally resonate with just being out at sea with the wind in your hair and that feeling in the salt water. I just love it. It's great. The best exfoliation at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. That um, yeah. So one last question I'd love to ask you, if you've got an answer for me, is what's one of the scariest things you've ever done? One of the scariest things I've ever done... The scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> you might not even have one, but I guarantee you probably do. Well, I mean, parenting's pretty scary. Yeah. You know, that's pretty scary. I but don't it's know, also but <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Um, I don't get uh, I don't get scared very easy, but okay. And all the things that I do, like taking on political systems, taking on justice systems and things like that, and writing the books I kind of write and calling people on stuff, the scariest thing I think I've ever done thus far, <laughs> this, this, this is ridiculous, this is. <laughs> a friend of mine has got a snake, right? And <laughs> I had the snake... I was like, okay, I need to deal with this. Because my Chinese animal of the year I was born is a snake. I was like, right, okay. And I read about it, and I was like, okay, that, that's quite interesting. Okay, I'm going I'm to hold the snake. 
It took me two days. I mean, put me on a boat and put me at, say, right, off you go around the world on a boat in storms. I'm all good with. I've been out in 40 knots of wind and six meter waves. Not, I wasn't afraid of that. Yeah. You put me in a room with a snake. <laughs> Even if it's in a tank, I will, I will walk as far away from that tank as you like. So but funny. when I was in Australia, in the beach, <laughs> I was like, right, okay, let me feed it first. And so, like, I got the mouse and I was holding it. It's like, oh my god, oh my god. And like, my friend Renelle, she filmed it. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and then, like, the next day, like, they're like, you're right. I'm like, yeah. Like, what's that one? I'm just fighting myself. It took me two days to fight myself up to hold this snake that Troy's got. And, uh, and he put it on me, and I'm like, and my whole body is squirming. Like, I'm like, oh my god. Like, my legs, they've got a photograph of me, right? And my legs are all twisted, like, and I'm thinking that really does not look good. That's not a good photo. <laughs> because you can almost see my body squirming as this snake is moving around. So snakes, <laughs> I, I, I was, when I was out in uh, the Coral Coast, um, we jumped overboard and we were swimming in the ocean and my friend got back in, I carried on swimming and like they're like, Donnie, are you getting back in now? I'm like, yeah, I'll just do one more length, wrap, one more lap around the boat and I'll get back on board. Then they tell me there's crocodiles in the water. That didn't scare me as much as that snake being on me. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. <laughs> wow. How would you not? I'm off, man. I would have been like, get out the water. What are you doing? Oh, that was crazy. That's exactly what I said to them, right? I'm like, why did you get in then? They went, because we did, we looked at the depths and there weren't no crocs around. And I'm like, they went, but did you enjoy yourself? And I went, I had a great time. They went, well, then it doesn't matter whether there's crocs in the water or not. I'm like, uh, kind of does. I've got two kids on going, <laughs> just a little bit. You know, that I wouldn't see again, and three dogs. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but we, if we'd have seen it on the depth finder, we would not, you know, because they've got like this fisher finder. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, so they knew there weren't any crocs in the area. Oh right, so they and didn't actually they see one. There wasn't. They didn't see yeah, them no. while you were in the water. No, they saw them on the depth finder. That they, they, they were, and they're like, "Come on, Dawn, you need to get out now. Oh, right, so okay. We're gonna get going." I was like, "Oh, okay." So they could see it like on this oh, radar thing. Oh man, that's horrendous. That's horrible. Oh. But then again, I still don't know to this day whether they're winding me up or not. <laughs> because that's like, I went sailing with. <laughs> and I'm like, kids. Oh, but, you know. So good. Love it. Lovely guys. Lovely guys. But yeah, snakes. <laughs> hey, so I forgot to ask you this at the start, but um, what's your morning routine like? It varies. Oh, yeah? It varies. Um, I... Oh, I get up and I um, I have my water. Sometimes I journal straight away. Sometimes I'm like, it, it depends. Sometimes I have a spark of an idea that wakes me up at stupid o'clock in the morning, and I just start writing. Um, nice. Sometimes it's like, okay, you need to go and call this person. I have no idea why I need to call that person. I just call that person. Um, the I, I, I'm, I'm a very spontaneous person. I go with what I feel. If my body is saying, stay in bed and read a book, 
which is very unlikely. I mean, I do stay in bed and read a book on a very regular occasion, but sometimes it's like, okay, go to the gym, get up, go to the gym. Most mornings I'll get up and go to the gym, gym after I've had my water, and I'll come back, shower, put the music on, um, and I'll probably journal. Um, I always journal, whether it's a gratitude flood or whether it's creation or, you know, just getting present, saying, yes, I'm ready for this, or... I ask myself a question and I journal around it. I study every day. Um, at the moment, I'm studying Spanish and biogenetics. I'm absolutely loving that. Um, physics, I'm studying at the moment. Why? I have no idea, but I'm enjoying it. I, it felt right. Um, I always dance and sing every day, dancing around the apartment um, or dancing on board deck or dancing around supermarkets. Not that I go to supermarkets, but I'm always dancing. My, my daily routine, I have certain things that I do every day. What order I do them in would depend on how I feel. Fair enough. That's but they, they always get done. Nice. Well, that's it for today. You have been amazing. And I love your story. You. I, I find it fascinating with your marriage and all of that. I think it's crazy, but it sounds like you've got two really beautiful boys and a hell of a lot of experience within it as well I'd love to know what can our listeners do to find out more about you is there anything that they can do to show their appreciation and their love from today yeah they can um, obviously I mean follow me on uh, they can follow me on social media just look up Dawn Bates um, or Dawny B which is my my tag which is D-A-W-N-E-E-B-E. Um, they can go to my website. If they've got any questions or they'd like to feedback, then just send me an email or comment on any of my feeds or, yeah, just get in touch. You know, we're not just because we do these things and we, you know, I'm a very open person. I'm very, I'm up for speaking to most people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just reach out and uh, ask away and let's see what magic we can create. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know where your next best friend is. Or, well, can't say best friend. My friend Jamie, I love them. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so it's amazing how many best friends I've got and I don't even know who they are. And she's like, well, they're not your best friend. I'm your best friend. And then her mum goes, and I'm the best friend's mother. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Oh, so good. So good. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. It's been really cool to chat with you and getting to know you as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.